The Hilly Nation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 160. 60. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. 160. The guys are here, all except for Nick. It's family night for Nick. Nick's hanging out yeah, with the fam. It's family night. Family night. It's Probably doing some trick or treating. Yep. So, Justin, did you put any razors in any apples this year? I didn't put any razors in apples. <laughs> Jeez. The uh, the kids in my neighborhood are actually pretty good. Although, Dan, I mean, since we are recording on Halloween, uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, we do a lot of decorating around our neighborhood. I don't know if you guys do decorating there. But my neighborhood, there was actually someone so into it that he was digging his own grave. Have you ever seen someone I've, dig wow. their own grave? I had a neighbor that used to do that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was impressive. But yeah. anyway, yeah, we went trick-or-treating. <laughs> I think probably Nick did the same thing. Yeah. And we gave out candy and we ate candy. And How about you, Jesse? I didn't poison any little kids. Did you No poison. Did you go trick-or-treating, Jesse? I did not go trick-or-treating. Did you have any trick-or-treaters? <laughs> I did not have any trick-or-treaters. Wait a minute, though. Jesse. You're in college, dude. They don't do like the whole. Oh, I'm I'm going thing. out later, but it's not trick or treating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesse got plans. Yeah, I uh, pretty much did everything I could in my power to uh, to evade the <laughs> the trick or treaters tonight. <laughs> you put up the like closed sign in the window. Well, like I came home um, from work a little early than usual, about six thirty, and um, I turned every light off. I turned the TV off. Oh. And I sat in the dark. Hit under the bed. <laughs> Are you one of those those really crazy bastards, Dan, where like you go out of your way to scare the kids away? No, dude. I do I, go out of my I way used to, to live not in have a neighborhood where there was a guy that didn't like Halloween oh, God, so dude. much that if you walked up to his house, he would be hiding behind <laughs> furniture on his deck and he'd throw the candy at you. <laughs> So the kids walk up, it's dark, there are no decorations, they go to ring the doorbell, and out of nowhere they start getting pegged with freaking hard candies. Like Jolly Ranchers and shit. Get out of here. Next year, next year, here's what I'm going to do for Halloween. Okay. I'm going to set up a a perimeter, and when the perimeter is breached, I'm going to start whipping candy at kids with a slingshot. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jolly Ranchers to the forehead. Dude, that's a you could put someone in the ER with yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> that's going to end bad. I'm a nurse. I can help him. I won't, but I could. Maybe start with like gummy bears out of a slingshot. <laughs> see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, shoot gummy bears. Gummy for bears. See, that's that's too while. far on the other side of the spectrum, Jesse. <laughs> I bet you those would pack a wall up. Yeah, yeah salt probably. water taffy. 
That, yeah, so, that would definitely hurt. I mean, that's that stuff's <laughs> dense. Gumballs. Uh, gumballs. The uh, what are those called? This uh, the, those hard jawbreakers. Jawbreakers. There you go. Oh. So anyway, one step below rocks. It is Halloween, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't do holidays. I don't do birthdays. I don't do Christmas, and I do Thanksgiving only because there's a free meal involved. Um, so I'm not really a holiday kind of guy. You, know? you think that might in some way contribute to people's perception that you're always pissed off when they well, see well, you in it, person? Here's, mm. I, it's a good, good point, Justin. <laughs> it is a good point. <laughs> but see, I don't, I don't do well with crowds. And I'm really a shy person. Mm-hmm. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like, like I don't go to the movies unless it's like a matinee when I know there's going to be three other people in there. Because I just don't like being in large crowds. That's fair. I don't like people mm. in general. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're learning. We're learning a lot here, Jesse. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, the picture's all starting to come together. This is a whole new perspective. So, yeah. I, since I wasn't here last week, I'm going to start with what what's been going on in the past. All right. So I got two weeks to make up for. Uh, it's going to be real quick, but I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say that last week, I would say it was Wednesday night, I did something that nobody, I know none of you, Nick, Justin, or Jesse, and and I'd be pretty willing to bet that none of our listeners have ever done. Ever. Ooh. It's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Let's hear it. very bold. Uh, I accept the challenge. So I'm driving home. I've got two two of these stories because now it's dark when I get when I get home, right? Mm-hmm. On the way home, it's mm-hmm. not a forty five minute forty five mile drive. I'm about ten miles from home, and it's rainy, and you know when the road's wet and it kind of absorbs the light, and when you got another car coming, how you can't really see the road, so you kind of gauge what's happening by watching the fog line. Yes. Or, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm cruising down the road, wasn't speeding, and uh, I'm going and I'm just kind of watching that side of the road while this car's passing or, you know, coming at me. And uh, all of a sudden I see three raccoons fighting over something in front of my car, literally 100 feet. At fifty, like in the middle of the road, they weren't quite in the middle. They were more on the on the right hand side, like the right hand driver or the passenger side. But there's a (laughs) car coming. You know, I've learned growing up in Montana that you never swerve to miss an animal. You just don't, especially on wet roads with a vehicle coming. Mm -hmm. Yep, I killed three raccoons at one time. (laughs) Wow. Now was this in your truck or was was this in your? It was my Ford Focus. <laughs> what does the Focus look like? That now? was the bumper after that. Dude, it, yeah. d- it didn't do a damn thing. I, I was expect so I hit him. It was like boom, boom, boom. You know, I mean, I just all right. So I get home and uh, and I I get the flashlight app out and I go look at that side of the car. I'm expecting to see fur and blood and you know there was not nary a hair. Really, nothing. Not a, not Maybe because the road was wet, though, wash it all away. But there were no scratches. There was nothing. None of the flaring was. Broke. And you're sure you hit them. Here's the deal: the next morning on the way to work, 
Sure, sure enough, <laughs> three dead <laughs> raccoons in that very oh, spot. Oh man! I actually felt really bad. I mean, when I I was like, I mean, there was nothing I could do, obviously. And I and I oh yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh dude, I just I just totally killed a family of raccoons. You just took out a family. <laughs> I don't know. It's like they were fighting over something in the road, roadkill or something, and they became roadkill. Interesting. Yeah. Well, huh? they aren't fighting anymore. They're not fighting anymore. They've uh, crossed over the Rainbow Bridge. Is that what is Yep. That so there's another, has nothing to do with anything, but I find it kind of funny. You know, at night, sometimes you notice things on the way home that you'd never really notice other, in other situations, daytime, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's a section of road that has a fairly sharp turn. And uh, I never noticed this before, but as you're going around the corner, this big blue sign comes into view for only a brief moment. And the sign says Clint, and it's for some person that's running for office. I've noticed the last week, every time I go by that sign, or every time I, it, it like surprises me, and I don't think it says Clint. <laughs> i'm like what it's like i'm shocked. that is my kind of sign <laughs> i am like i can't believe some oh yeah that's that sign i i'm thinking that there's another word starts with c hmm. rhymes with yeah punt yeah and uh <laughs> but uh no that's uh, another little crazy story so i gotta tell you aside from all that craziness i didn't get any flying in that week it was a crazy mad week. We had uh, we had the whole team showing up uh, Tuesday morning. When I say the whole team, all the engineers and the software guys coming to our location. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a a uh, nervousness abound situation because the the all the, everybody involved, money people, and engineers and software guys, and it was like it's time. To show what we've been working on. And so I'm nervous as hell because I'm working all by myself. You know, I don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of. Except for when I bore Justin to death with an hour long phone call with stupid questions. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're fun. <laughs> so I um, I got to tell you, man, it was a rough week last week. I, I worked both days last weekend. Of course, then I... Had a bit of a family thing happen last Friday night. Uh, all's well there, by the way. Nothing serious. But, Good. Uh, Glad to hear it. Nice. So the guys show up, and um, Monday night I work till about 10.30 at night trying to get some very last-minute things situated. Got them all taken mm-hmm. care of. The guys show up. The software guys show up Tuesday morning. And I could tell they're nervous. They're very nervous. They're asking me all kinds of questions that I assume they should have either already asked me or, or knew somehow. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and they're frantically, you know, we set up a desk for them out in the shop and, and they've got three or four computers opened up and they're standing over each other's shoulders and arguing over syntax stuff, computer programming stuff. And uh, so I'm like, well. You know, they, you know, they're professionals. They'll get it done, whatever they got to do. Uh, Wednesday rolls around, and that's demo day. So, as you guys all know, I've been working on a on a multi rotor 
and got the first prototype completely done, ready to go, gimbal and all. And uh, it was my turn to step up to the plate in front of the whole group and essentially made in this machine, untested. Mm -hmm. I had every reason to believe it was going to do exactly what it was going to do, it was supposed to do, and it did. And it was perfect. And it did exactly what we needed it to do. Uh, looked good doing it. Looked solid doing it. It was just a fantastic experience. The software guys step up to the plate. Not the case. Their stuff wouldn't upload to the machine. Uh, but dude, your stuff worked. Oh, it was perfect. in the eyes of the investor. And and he you was, were you were the Superman. And that he day. was like, I can't believe. And on the way out, he left today. Uh, you know, it was a kind of an easy day today. We just kind of sat around and talked about the vision of the future and what we're what we're thinking and ideas. And mm-hmm. on the way out, he stopped and he said, "You're you are our anchor." And I was like, "Oh God, nice! The ship's going down." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you only knew, buddy. I mean, thank you, sir. I know it was awesome. It was a good week. I mean, we had I got. I got to do some heli demos uh, for these guys. Never seen a helicopter fly. And, of course, they thought I was the best pilot. Dude, you're flying it like like those dudes on the on the YouTube. Like, <laughs> Sweet. No. No, no. I mean, no. But, yeah, thanks. And uh, so I got to do a bunch of heli flights. I got to, I uh, flew about 10 times this week. Uh, helis. And then, of course, a shit ton of multi-order flights. But. What what a, an amazing week! It's just been uh, everything except for the software side went fantastic. Uh, you know, probably one of the best weeks I've had in a long time. So, heli- awesome man, heli wise. You know, nice. I, I did get like I said ten or so flights in this week. Puts me at about four fifty five. And uh, unfortunately. You know, of course, Nick sent me, we traded, we all, you know, we talked about that, the blade mm-hmm. for the goblin. I did get a chance to crack it open. It's all there. Everything's good there. I have not had an opportunity to do anything with it. Still in the box. Oh, man. But hmm. um, I am, I'm at a much more comfortable place now, more secure feeling as far as the future of what we're doing. So I will have this weekend and then going into the future because uh, right now to be honest with you all i'm doing is working on different ideas for other frames because i can't really do anything further with my current unit until the software guys get their shit together right so i will have a little extra time it won't be so hectic so the blade should be nice. ready should be ready to go i'm gonna work on it tomorrow and i don't see any reason why i can't get it done tomorrow well, it's, I mean, he sent it there to you, you the same that you sent the 500, right? It's no. pretty much just plug in your receiver? No, no, it, it's taken apart. Oh, it's broke oh, down really? for shipping. Yeah, but it's not broke down drastically. It's like... Oh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, just he for pulled shipping. the boom off yeah. of it and the head and stuff, yeah, yeah, right? It, I would imagine yeah. 20, 20, 30 minutes and then a little little tweaking on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I'm curious, you know, I was listening to last week's show. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but wonder by some statements that was that were made. You guys, I just don't think you guys have a lot of uh, what's the right word here uh, confidence in my building. Huh? 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, you were there. You were part of the conversation. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I think a majority of that conversation was surrounding the fact that you decided to literally shoo goo your electrical no, connection. Okay, well, I mean, I will, as if it were solder, Dan. I will concede to that, and I will explain that. As if it, but shoo solder. Nick said, and I should have brought a clip of it and played it. Oh, but, yes. I remember this one. Yep. I was, to I be was honest, pretty surprised. I was pretty you surprised. know, I thought was, I was going to get the heli and it was going to be a pile of shit. But, dude, it was uh, in great you know, shape. <laughs> Dan actually kind of sort of took care of it. Uh huh. I didn't should, know he could do that. You should see my rush. My lo- rush looks exactly the same. That, yeah. And then I made the comment, well, it's only fallen off the wall of his trailer once. Yep. That's yeah. true. Was <laughs> I right on that only or did I miscount? Nope, it only fell off once that I can remember. Okay. That's, I'm sure that's, that's, that's okay. That's so, all that matters. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. I love Shugu. I Yes, love, we've established this. <laughs> I love Shugu. Okay? And on top of that, I had every intention that that wire never come loose. Do you want to know why I had that intention? Why is that? Because I have had those wires come loose in flight before okay i'm going to send something to you it's a very novel concept it's a little yellow plastic clip <laughs> that you put that's just too much weight male that's to too much female that's too much connection weight. together weight. into it <laughs> dude every gram counts and that's just why would i want to add more weight to my machine well if we're worried about grams on your machine then we probably ought to take a look well, at what else hey, you've done wrong it's every gram counts man right that's what you guys say all the time hey every gram it yeah. adds up every gram, every gram counts yeah. Yeah. see what i'm doing there jesse i'm throwing their shit back in the face right back at them right see back i them. don't say every gram counts i happen to believe that below 100 grams it's unlikely you're going to be able to tell but what if you had on a, 15 on components and you didn't pay attention to that? And all of a sudden you've got 1,500 grams. 1,500. It's uh, a little excessive. That's, that jumped a little bit. Yep. I'm just saying. I'm not, just not, saying. Not, not sure what to do with that one, <laughs> yeah. but okay. For right. like a couple uh, okay. to 1,500. <laughs> oh. No, I, I got to tell you. I, you know what? I, I just do that because I don't want them to come out. And... And then you made a comment about how Shugu is uh, not, con- or it's uh, it's not conductive. Mm-hmm. I don't put it up in the pins, dude. You had it up in the pins. Well, then it seeped up there. That generally doesn't do that. It's generally right on the outside. I mean, Nick said that he <laughs> literally had to rip the plastic connector apart. Nick lies with a with a I hobby can- knife. And then, like, remove the gunk from the metal. I, could, I can just see it. Dan, Dan just has this bowl of shugu, and before he plugs anything into the fly barless unit, he just dips it in the bowl. It's, and yeah, then that's plugs right. It like, the like it, we're locked tight on a fastener. It's like I'm di- yeah. dipping a, di- dip a shrimp in a cocktail. Just. Yeah, just dip it in, plug it in. Let it sit. <laughs> oh, man, that's horrible. I, I love it. I love it. I love the fact that Nick has had to deal with my Shugu issues twice. Well, Dan, one of the one of the one of the real things here is if because you build your helis for the long run, you know, Nick switches helis too much. 
he doesn't he doesn't have yeah, time don't. to put that much shugu on stuff because he has to tear it apart so yeah. often mm. you're right. building for I, a long run when i build so. a heli the next time it's coming apart is when it gets totaled is exactly. when it needs to be rebuilt yeah yeah <laughs> i don't want that shit coming apart okay that's fair that's why i use um ca instead of uh loctite that's why i use jb weld instead of jb weld oh man (laughs) i'm only kidding i don't do that in fact (laughs) i probably don't use enough loctite to be honest with you doesn't take ed on the other hand ed on the other hand has stock oh we've talked about ed's loctite addiction so yeah i haven't got the blade together and um hoping to do that probably this weekend i'll have it flown by next friday guaranteed promise okay promise there we go really that's that's a strong statement hey man i feel like that's worth a bet don't you don't you five flights on it haven't you noticed the change there's been a bit of a change so, it only took me two days to ship out the Goblin to Nick, whereas mm-hmm. it took me eight months to get the Nitro to Nick. <laughs> the ni- okay. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Big improvements. So we're, we're trending. We're trending. And well, that's a that's less only of a, two data points. Hey, I'm not sure if that's a trend yet. We got to take take what we can get. <laughs> so, what kind of bet? I, I like bets, as you know. What what are we talking? I'll take a bet. Well, I think, I think Jesse was saying... You gotta, you gotta get it flying and have at least five flights on it. When did Jesse yeah, five say that? Flights. Did you say that really? I did say five flights. Did you? Well, it was more of a question, but oh. I did say that. All right, get it going in five flights. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what are what are what are the? And then if you do get five flights on it before next week, we won't subtract five flights from your flight <laughs> oh, total. Come on now. <laughs> That's not fair. What if I get four? I like that, Jesse. Yeah. Okay. What I do mean, I get? What do I get if I do do it though? Hmm? 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 You get to count them all five. I, I tell you what. Here's what. Here's the deal. <laughs> Here. Okay. This is fair, right? If I don't get five flights, we will subtract five flights from my flight total. If I do get five flights, I get to add five flights. Hmm. Doesn't really matter because in all of our minds, we're still going to know that you're five flights less than where you really are. I'll I'll take that. Than where bet. you say you are. Okay, so Dan, if by this time next week when we record, you have not logged at least five flights on your Blade 700X, then we mm-hmm. will deduct five flights from your total. So here's the deal: I go. Let's say let's say I get just for an example five flights on the Rush, and I don't get mm-hmm. any flights on the Blade. Yep. It would be like you just never walk the rush. It would actually be we would not count the blade flights or we would not count the rush flights. So we're at zero mm-hmm. and then we would minus five from that. So I would go from five four fifty five to five fifty. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it counts it first it cancels out all your flights that you first did. First it cancels and out. And then it subtracts five. five. And on top of that, all I'm asking in return is to include those five flights. And add an additional five flights to whatever else I get this week. I think that's reasonable. Maybe we should go 15. Dude, 15. Oh, but. <laughs> yeah, but then you've got to give me 15. You sure you want to do no, that? We'll, we'll give you five. No. No. Mm. 
I'm up for the, seems, the plus yeah, or minus fair. five. Seems fair. Okay. I think we can we can roll with that. It's a deal. Yeah. Okay. It's a deal. It's not gonna make a difference. Good luck. It's not gonna make a difference. Virtual handshake. It's not gonna virtual handshake. <laughs> it's not gonna make a difference in the long run. It's true. It's true. But it's a fun fun thing to do. Betting's a yeah. fun thing to do. Motivates you. So that uh you know, wraps up my week. Now that I've owned two full sets of BK high-voltage coilless servos, I can honestly say that these are the best full-size cyclic servos I have owned to date. These things are crazy fast, with a speed of 0.049 seconds per 60 degrees, and plenty strong, with a torque rating of 295 inch ounces. Oh, and to top all this off, they're only 99 bucks a piece. So whether you're looking to replace an old set of worn out servos or outfitting that brand new heli, be sure to head over to bkservo.com. Well, Jesse, you weren't here last week either, so let's hear from you next. I was not here last week. I was traveling home for the weekend, um, do a job tour and interview since... I'm kind of graduating in like six weeks and got to try to get something lined up here. Use this degree, right? Engineering degree. Um, so unfortunately, I I did bring my helicopters home last weekend because Nick and I had these awesome plans. You know, the weather was supposed to be good on Saturday. We were going to go out to the field all morning, get in a bunch of flights. And of course, Bellingham just never lets you down. It absolutely poured freaking rain the entire weekend. Um, It wasn't even like, ah, maybe we can go out there, camp out in your trailer, wait for the rain to stop for a little bit, sneak sneak a couple flights in throughout the morning. I mean, it was just downpour. (laughs) Um, So the helis traveled all the way home with me, didn't leave the truck, traveled all the way back to Pullman. So that was was pretty much last week. If I would have been on the show last week, I would have had to take a no-fly card. Once again, they're really accumulating. I'm getting quite the little collection of no-fly cards. You're, ruining, you're you're wearing our printer out. I am definitely. You don't have to print them so big. I don't need like <laughs> four foot no-fly cards. You you don't need them, but we do. Yeah, I mean, you're sending me these huge no. Nah, but <laughs> big this <finals>. week. Yeah, <laughs> hang this up. Stickers for my truck and like <laughs> this week. However, this week's had a couple a uh, couple ups and downs. So. I got done yesterday. I'm sitting there at about 11.30. Um, done with class for the day. My professor canceled my afternoon class that I normally have. It's a lab class from like 1 to 4. So I'm sitting there at 11.30, about 55 degrees out, and 8 to 10 miles an hour wind. I'm like, you know what? I'm heading home. I'm going to go to the field. So I get home, charge up all my batteries, load everything up in the truck, take all my helis, generator you know i'm it, it is going to be a trip out to the field recharge and do multiple flights so get out to the field now it's been a couple weeks since i've flown so figured you know might want to start a little slow so bust out the warp um don't bring a laptop with me don't really plan on doing any tuning um everything was flying great last time i flew it and since i haven't flown in so long it's one of those things where you just don't really want to make any adjustments um to your heli just it's kind of like you have to get used to the heli again, not change the heli so that you're used to it. Mm-hmm. And so do a couple flights on the warp, um, do three flights on the 7HV. Everything's going great. Finally, finally starting to get back into the swing of things after about five or so flights. Um, do two more flights on the warp. 
and then one more half flight on the 7HV. And I say half a flight because there may have been a crash. Oh! And this one stings because... Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, and this, you know what really sucks is it, it was not my fault. It was a mechanical failure. Um, and what happened was, and as soon as I saw it in the air, I knew immediately what it was. So I'm, I'm sitting there flying it, coming out of like a tail slide, um, in, an inverted tail first uh, tail slide. And the helicopter on the elevator all of a sudden just does this huge jerk, just really quick, quick, very, very violent. And it, it, you know, I flip it over really quick and I'm like, Oh crap. I, I knew something elevator had given out because when I was, when I'd first gotten the six HV ultimate, I had a set of align servos in there and I had an elevator servo fail and it did the exact same thing. Um, just that quick kind of jumpy movement on the elevator. So I knew it was some elevator related. So I immediately, okay, mid stick, just maybe it will float down to the ground and you know, it'll be fine. It's hanging, it's hanging on. So I'm immediately hit throttle hold. The helicopter is probably 10, uh, 15 feet in the air, upright level. Um, I don't see, you know, don't see the blades flutter and anything like that. And it just, it just kind of glides. It's at mid stick. It's floating down. I'm like, oh my goodness, this thing is making it to the ground. Literally, I kid you not, six inches off of the ground. I thought we were home free by this point. I'm like, this thing's just going to do a nice little touchdown. It just completely wads itself up. What? Six inches, <laughs> six inches off of the ground. Nice. <laughs> I just, I could have swore I was home free. So what had happened was the screw. So we have the servo horn on the elevator servo. And then how Compass does it is they have the ball and then there's an M2 screw that goes through the ball. And then that goes through the servo horn and you put a nut on the back and ties it all together. That M2 screw completely sheared, just perfect, right? Flush with the servo horn. So just like I thought, I had zero elevator control. Um, yeah, but I got to say, it really Why sucks. did it wad itself up so violently? I mean... This was so at, at the Othello Fun Fly. I drove the thing in under power on the head, and it didn't break half as much stuff as what broke in this. Oh, <laughs> um, so we're, I mean, blades, boom, boom supports, canopy, the tails, output shaft, tail hub, tail blades, tail blade grips, um, vertical fin, the yeah. And so, yeah, that that uh that definitely sucked, especially Jeez, just because I thought it was so close to making it down. I mean, it was weird because I didn't, you know, I just usually when I see something like that happen, it's just instinct, you know, throttle hold and try to go mid stick and let it glide down to the ground because any cyclic input is going to lead to a catastrophic event. And so I thought it was just gliding down, but not the case and what's really bad is those blades literally had like four flights on them <laughs> so we go from not flying for a while to finally making it out to the field and driving in a helicopter so you know like i said ups and downs well let's hear it. how bad was it though well i mean overall what are we thinking here i i've honestly i hung it up on my wall it's sitting on my wall right now with a scorpion tail boom <laughs> 
and you just walked away. it apart yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I will look at you later because I have two more helicopters that fly. <laughs> and so there's prob- probably from what I listed off earlier, there's probably a couple more parts I'll discover once I start getting it torn down. Um, right off the bat, since it took, it did put a huge hole right through the canopy. I mean, it's even too bad for just that canopy had some dings and, you know, it's been patched a couple times, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It was still definitely usable as like a practice canopy for orientation, mm-hmm. but now it's, it's a garbage canopy, you know, huge hole blown through the side. And so with the canopy and the blades and all the other parts, I mean, it's you know, a couple hundred bucks, two fifty. Um, something like that. So Man. not terrible, not great. You know, luckily no frames, um, nothing like that. No skids, no frames. Um, you know, kind of just all those general parts, I guess that break in a good crash and then maybe a, a few, few bonus parts. <laughs> and so no, I'll get, I'll get the parts probably I'll, I'll get it torn down this weekend is my plan and get those parts ordered Monday. And so that'll put them here plenty of time before next weekend. I'm going to get that thing rebuilt. But, you know, in the meantime, still got the N7 and the warp. So not a huge deal. And I did right after the 7HV crash. You know, it was it was one of those where you don't want to get into that rut because it, it's been a while since you've flown. You're excited about finally getting out to the field, getting back in the swing of it. And then you have something like that happen. You know, right when that happened, I walked out there, unplugged the helicopter and just brought it back to the bench, set it down, grabbed the warp, and went out and did two more flights. Um, and so, just you know, want to get just right over that crash. I, I hate ending the day on a crash. So, yep, I'm with you. I try to so just, just get right back up and fly. Yep, just go grab. You know, I grabbed the warp and did my exact normal routine. Didn't fly timid and just went out there and, and did it because honestly, you know, when it's a mechanical failure like that. You, you just have to be prepared to react. There's really not much you can do, um, you know, unless you can see it coming, which most of the time you can't. So, mm-hmm. so that's all I've been up to. That that did end up being a 10-flight day um, yesterday, being Thursday. And so that brings me up to 5.08. You suck. 5.08? Yep. Wow. So you are officially just over halfway there. Yeah, fifty percent, and feeling great because I'm still quite ahead of Justin. So, well, so Nick and I, I asked Nick this last week, "What's your prediction?" He said he was going to get seven hundred out of his eight hundred flight goal. So, where do you think you're going to be at the end of the year? I'm going to go six to six twenty-five. So, you actually think you're going to lose to Nick? Uh, what did Nick predict? Nick predicted that he would get to 700 by the end of yeah. the year. Yep. I will, I will guess I will lose to Nick. And you think that has mostly to do with the fact that you, you know, you got the whole having to graduate deal. Oh man. With right at this exact moment right now, I have three projects going. I mean, I will be the entire, my entire Sunday will be spent on campus. I have family in town for tomorrow. Um, so it's not looking good for this weekend. And then it it's a senior project class, so it, it just goes the whole semester. It just doesn't end this semester, basically. So it will not end until I graduate, sort of a thing. So 
days are pretty limited um, and getting out to the field is going to be rare the occasions are going to be few and far between so another you know another 125 flights i'd say would be looking pretty good because realistically i mean we're in november we have two months left it's true we have so figure for me i have ohb that's a weekend i have graduation that's a weekend after graduation i'm moving home that would be the weekend before christmas and the following week is christmas (laughs) so there's four right there that will probably not be have any flying. So that leaves me three or four. My only saving grace is I do have a week off for Thanksgiving. Yes. And so Good if point. the weather is nice at home, I can see make you know gaining some flights during that three or four days that I could make it out to the field in a row. I mean, that has happened in previous years. It really depends on the weather at this point because you know it's starting to get colder here, windy, rainy. All the you know winters here basically so yep but we'll see cool that's how it goes so justin man what uh what have you been up to i bet let me guess let me guess you've been working on uh, a speed canopy you've been getting a speed heli ready to fly you've been working on a speed motor and a speed esc and you've bought like eight things and you've bought like nine motors and a radio <laughs> this week you're pretty close. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I, that's pretty spot on. That's pretty good. Actually, I haven't done all that much work on the the helis this week. I don't know. This week's just been super busy. I take a no fly. The weather has been horrible all week. It's basically been a downpour 24-7, except for a couple of patches of blue sky that inevitably occur when I'm at work without a heli. It's yep. it's getting back to that time of the year, though, where uh, the the park across the street from where I work is being vacated by all of the, the soccer players that have been doing their sort of daily thing since summer came around. And it'll give me pretty much from November 1st to May 1st of just a nice, clear field. Muddy, but no one's going to be on it. Uh, to fly when I can get out from work at lunch or on a break or whatever. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think I'm going to start bringing a heli with me just to keep in the car during the week on the off chance that I've got some time. Can can I inject something in real quick here? You may. You know, you mentioned that whole you're at work and the weather's decent. And of course it's decent because you're at work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it when the weather's decent and I'm at work. Uh, oh yeah we're back to that stage fellas anyway what that you're gonna keep you're gonna you're gonna pitch a shit about how awesome your job is (laughs) yeah it's back to being fun how does that sound we're done we're done screwing with machining stuff so that's good that is good we're back to uh business as usual so anyway you well you you may resume thank you i appreciate it anything for you so I'm going to try to start making use of that field. And then, so, you know, that, that of course, I'm going to mix it up a bit. That takes me to what I bought this week. Go and Go I'm going to surprise you a little bit. All right. I bought a Chase 360. What? Oh, yep. What? 
Yep, let it sink in. Didn't see Chase that one coming, did you? I didn't see that. I'm a little pissed off. I'm not going to lie. Why? Am why? I, why am I only finding out right now? Well, I figured that would add to the the wild to the factor. Piss, to the pissed offness. To the pissed offness. Well, hold on. Why are you pissed off about well, it? Well, I just figured when when one of the guys buys a heli that I would hear about it. Well, for the record, I only bought it today. Oh, okay. I had been stewing on it the entire week. You know, this goes back to as the last few months have been progressing, my thought has been, well, does it does it do me any good to have a smaller heli? And, you know, Nick and I went back and forth on the last couple of shows about the 500 class. And that's kind of what what kicked off the thought process again when you traded him the Goblin 500. Did some research on that. Got to fly a buddy's 500. They're great helis. Still, I think, a little bit too big for what I'm looking for. You know, my challenge is nowadays that when I do get time to go out to the field, it's usually only in chunks of about two to three hours. And I got to make the best of the time that I've got there. So, you know, just bang out as many flights as possible. And you guys know that when you're hanging around with buddies at the field, sometimes you can't get in as many as you'd really like. But that's okay because you got the social aspect. Well, I... I I also happen to have a two-year-old son. And so we bring Charlie out to the field whenever it's practical, but there's a limit there too. You know, he doesn't stay completely occupied by just watching dad fly the heli yet. He's not at that age. Uh, he starts getting bored and wants to go around and do different stuff and run through the field while people are flying. Not the safest idea. <laughs> and so I had been looking for an opportunity or a way to keep the flying options open because there are a number of smaller fields, baseball fields, you know, parks literally within blocks of my house, as opposed to the 15 or 20 minute drive to my main field that I could use with a small enough heli. And at first I thought the 500 class 500 millimeter blades might make sense but it's just they're too big still i won't fly it in a small enough box so i'd been doing research on you know what about the warp what about the kds should i wait for the goblin 380 you know we've talked about the 380 it looks like a larger heli Uh, i question whether it will fly as well in a box as a true 450 type heli uh, I got a lot of feedback from people that the warp is awesome, but a little bit on the heavy side. Uh, still flies great, takes crashes like a champ, but it's a little portly mm-hmm. and is not the easiest to work on if you really drive it in hard. Well, I tend to drive them in pretty damn hard, and the <laughs> the frequency and intensity with which they are driven in increases as the fun factor increases. And that is with one of two things, a nitro or a tiny heli. I can just get stupid and have fun without too much concern for it being a five or $600 crash, like on the 770. And so I fully expect that a 450 would go in. <laughs> And so I decided to to give the KDS Chase 360 a try. 
Uh, you know, I was on the fence. I heard a lot of issues with they were talking about quality control and, you know, getting it tuned up and stuff. Here's my theory. A lot. I'm not saying all, but I contend that a lot of people who have been very vocal on certain forums about the 360 being a challenging heli to get to work uh, are newer flyers and who maybe don't have as much experience in tweaking and tuning helis because it's a 450, right? I mean, that's where the new guys typically start. And so maybe that exacerbates the 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 way it, it looks publicly so uh it's a gamble i'm gonna take it picked up a used one on the forums killer deal has all of the upgrades comes fully loaded ready to fly i just need to stick my fly barless system and a couple of packs in there and we'll see and got it's pr- going to be an experiment i got a prediction yeah that hell is gone by spring uh, and you oh. know what dan i am I am completely okay with that prediction because here's my logic behind it. It happens every year or two. I got to go there. That's exactly. You know, I learned a little bit more. I'm a (laughs) a little bit better of a pilot. I've got a little bit more experience each time. Go back and try a small heli. Nope, not for me. Okay. But I would rather learn that on the chase, which is going to be cheaper to fix um, and overall a lesser investment than wait for the Goblin 380 to come out and spend a lot more money on that. And, and let's be realistic. It's going to be a lot more. I think the kit will be more than 300 bucks and it's a bigger heli, which means you got to put bigger components, you know, mini servos now, not micros. I don't want to go and sink what will likely be a thousand to twelve hundred dollars into a Goblin 380 only to find the same exact thing. So the chase is an experiment. And if it works out, then maybe the 380 is in in my future. And if it doesn't, I feel like even if I turn around and lose 50 or 100 bucks on the deal on resale in a few months, it was worth that 50 or 100 dollars rental cost to to figure it out is that is that allowing you to sleep at night that rationale yeah but i don't have problems sleeping at night (laughs) no but i mean seriously i'm completely open to this being just not my bag i'm fine with that i don't think it's gonna be man I, i think you're gonna get bored with it really quick well We'll have to see. I mean, I'm, I am, what should I say? I'm comforted slightly by the fact that Jesse still flies his warp because I asked him early this week, dude, do you still fly that little thing? And you said, dude, you put like a third to half of your flights at any given time at the field. Yep. Every single trip out to the field, yeah, it probably sees. Yeah, a but third Jesse has never. Flights. Jesse has never expressed his disdain. That's true. <laughs> you and I have. You and I are. Yeah, but we're, up we're until the warp came out, Jesse didn't fly small helis. I mean, he started on a yeah, T Rex five hundred and moved quickly he, up from there. Dude. He didn't go into it with a preconceived "I hate small helis" attitude like you and I have. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but Nick did not. Or Nick did. Nick went into it with the same attitude. And the only reason he got rid of his warp is because he had a deal he couldn't refuse on an E700. And it worked out. But he says even to this day he would go and get another warp if it made sense. All like right. financially. Hey, kudos to you for giving it a shot. Uh, I'm going to give it a try. If it doesn't work out, I will feel perfectly comfortable turning it around and selling it. And I will come back on the show and say, I spent money. I lost a little bit of money and it didn't work out in the end. Yeah. No harm, no foul. That's not the only thing I bought, though. Then what we could do, well, before Ooh. before you go into that, what we <laughs> can do is we can give your helicopter away to a listener. What, the, the chase? Yeah. Aha, okay. I wonder how that <laughs> works with me getting my money back. You don't. It's that simple. Right. You don't. I see. <laughs> and you're like, I see what you're saying. I don't like what you're saying. I I, I I hear what you're saying. I don't know why you're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Does not compute. Right, right. <laughs> the data points do not support your theory. All right. What else did you buy? Money bags. I bought a Contronic Pyro 750. <laughs> oh, Literally Used. money bags. Use. All right. Oh, actually, it's so brand new. Much better. But so the guy paid, needed to get. You paid nine hundred dollars for it, as opposed to twelve hundred. No, no, no. I paid three hundred bucks for uh, okay. it. Is that a good price? It's, it's yeah. It's a killer good. price. It's like two hundred bucks off. It All was right. brand new. The guy had never used it before. All right. Mm. Here and and here's my reasoning for this one. I needed another hell. I needed another motor, uh, to get the last speed heli up in the air. Okay, the we talked last week about me buying the 5035 Scorpion motor. You remember that? The monster. Yeah. Yeah. That was a bad idea. Why? Because I got it in, got it in the mail. Okay. And it wasn't the motor that I bought. And I couldn't figure out for a while what was going on here. So I bought an eight millimeter shaft pristine condition almost literally looks like it's right out of the box based on the pictures i saw on ebay what i get sent is a 50 35 500 with a six millimeter shaft and uh a lot of cosmetic blemishes which i could get over except for when i plugged it in and spun it up on the bench it shook like a crack whore And I'm like, okay, I don't know what is going on. So, okay, so, you know, pop out the snap ring pliers, pull the bell off, and I'm looking around. I'm, you know, do I have a loose magnet? Is something going on on the, you know, with the bearings? And then I look on the motor shaft. And you know how inside the Scorpions, it's a 10 millimeter shaft, right? And then it reduces down to whatever shaft diameter you want to put the pinion on right before that transition kind of where it sits inside the the bottom bearing inner race mm-hmm. there are three equally spaced flats that have been ground into the shaft and i'm like what the hell is this this did not come that way from the factory <laughs> nick and i are talking he's like dude i bet you i know what he did I bet you he was flying that thing on a plank. 
and he pushed, he pressed the the shaft out, ground the the flats, and flipped it around so that the set screws in the top of the can could hold up against the shaft. So I get in contact with the dude, and sure enough, that's exactly what it was. He was flying these things in pylon racers. He never intended me intended to give me the wrong motor. It was a mistake. He thought that they were all the same. A week's worth of contacting him and going through eBay and PayPal later, I got my money back. So did he voluntarily do it or did they? Oh, yeah, he was. This guy was very nice. He was not. I don't believe he meant to do this. Okay. Um, He felt really bad, but nevertheless, he did do it and he didn't have another motor available to me. And so, yeah, I, yeah, it is what it is. But picked up the Pyro yep. 750. Um, I am, and that's twofold reason. One, I need that motor anyway, a motor, and why not? You know, round it out. We got Scorpion, we got X Nova. Let's get a Contronic in there. But the other reason is that it's a 4425 stator, 44 millimeters in diameter, 25 long, and it's a 14 pole motor 14 magnets which is sort of contronics yeah. thing right well there's a lot of debate on whether contronics are really better than scorpions and x novas because the scorpions and x novas are 10 pole motors uh and going through the theory and doing the math on paper it says they should be because of the pole count alone but i'm gonna actually i want to figure it out on my own so i got that which is a 44-25-14 pole. And I'm looking for literally a shitty condition Scorpion 45-25-520 Ultimate, which is the next closest thing, one millimeter in diameter larger, but only 10 poles. And I am going to do a comparison on the bench. Nice. So trying to come up with a, a homemade dyno. That'll be another winter project. Lots of lots of shit going on in this house, Sweet. man. Do you have a sugar daddy? I don't. Hmm. I'm my sugar daddy. <laughs> Your sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Hey, I'm just asking the questions that the listeners are wondering. That's all. We we went that's over a, this. Yeah, I know, but it's fun to it's fun to rehash. It is. <laughs> Revisit. Rehash. And you've been there. You've been there before, Dan. Oh yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I, I'm I'm just having a blast well, right yeah, now. I get that. I get it. So there you're not done, right? I mean, you've got other stuff. Do I? I mean, because I saw some photos on your Facebook page that need some explaining. Hmm. I honestly well, am actually, not no, sure they what weren't, you're talking about. They weren't on the face. May I don't know, maybe they were, but it, if they weren't, you sent them to us today. Or maybe yesterday. Which one? The the dental floss. Oh yes. Well that that's part of the whole motor thing, right? So, you know, uh for speed you want the highest efficiency, higher highest power capability motor you can get, which is all solid core. And a lot of the speed guys do custom rewinds. And so I I just wanted to play around to see if I could do rewinds, but I'm not going to start on a big expensive motor. <laughs> so I had some multi-rotor motors. And so mm-hmm. I disassembled it. I unwinded it. 
taking care of uh, determining what the number of turns were on the stock so that I can scale it appropriately with my rewind. And then I chose a winding scheme, in this case, a, a regular old Delta on a 12 slot stator. And I got some heavy duty waxed dental floss and I winded wound wow winded i was just i, I was i was gonna call tonight. you out i was gonna call <laughs> you out on that but that was rough but you caught i it. wound my own motor with dental floss interesting and i i screwed up the last phase <laughs> you guys probably could have told from the from the picture but yeah so we'll see it's nice. just another hobby within a hobby within a hobby. <laughs> it's stuff to keep me busy during winter when, you know, there's no chance in hell of flying a big or a small helicopter, and I just need something to screw with. Well, Wildstar would help you with that. No. I think I got Mark talked into playing, by the way. Oh, no, dude. So does that wrap up our weeks? What do you think? That's it think for so. me, I think. Maybe we should do a little bit of news, huh? Yes. Yeah. I didn't like your intro last week either, Justin. What? Uh, it was kind of it was Explain. Boor- it was kind of boring. It was kind of it was kind of monotonish. What about my outro? The outro was good. Because I did change it up just for you. Yeah, the outro was good. So here, to pay close attention. You got a notebook? I'm ready. You ready to take some I am. I am prepared. (laughs) Yes. I've finally gotten around to bringing my charging setup into the world of current technology. And wow, what can I say? From the powerful and feature-rich Dual Power Lab 8 charger to Progressive's unique and infinitely adaptable modular parallel balance board systems, I now feel like I can charge my entire fleet of packs from just two ports and a few charge leads. So why mess around with that old and busted charger or its accessories? Follow my lead, head over to ProgressiveRC.com and have a look at the multitude of chargers, power supplies, accessories, turnkey charging systems, and even batteries. If you're not sure what to buy or have a question about how to design your custom system, then go ahead and give the PRC team a call at 443-BATTERY and they'll get you squared away in no time. Thank you, Justin. Call the PRC team at 443-228-8379. ProgressiveRC.com. Bringing charging power to a heli near you. Alrighty, guys, this week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. Did you, did you, did you yeah, hear it? I, I saw what nice. you did. It, it wasn't quite as dynamic as I was expecting. Well, I couldn't have. I, that but it felt been, very confident and aggressive. That would have been I, cheesing I, it up if I went yeah. over the top. I didn't want to do that. Okay. Hmm. We'll, we'll take it. All right. So what do we got for news this week, guys? Who's uh, Anybody bring any news? Oh, I brought loads of news, dude. Yeah, it looks loads. like it. All right. Yes. Let's hear it. What do you got? Let's, let's okay. This. Let's get started here. Well, we're starting to see Urcha trailers pop up, which, by the way, hey, Nick, where's our Urcha trailer? <laughs> <laughs> Psst, friendly reminder. Well, there happened to be a couple of featured scenes in that that I can't wait to see. I know, right? <laughs> as, as you well yeah. know. 
so in all, this particular all's we, all's case, all we get is is messages. Oh my god, this is so incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have to see this. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> we do have to see it. Yeah, so helpful. <laughs> anyway. In this case, we're talking about the Scorpion Power Systems 2014 Urcha trailer. And I'll tell you what, each year we we uh, progress here, these trailers get better and better. Yes. I mean, the production value, the quality of the video and the edit, um, incorporation of music and slow motion and time yeah. lapse, it really is awesome. Scorpion comes to us this year with a 10 minute long. That's what I was just going to say. The length. And it's great. I mean, now I have not seen for the yet. record there. There may be. I, I, I'm willing to accept that. I might think it's cooler than maybe someone else who wasn't at Urcha because we were there as we know. And I, I'm looking at a lot of this stuff and remembering those scenes or those people or when that was happening so you know you can relate to it but still they did an amazing job yep yeah i just i couldn't believe watching through you know when i first saw that pop up a 10 minute urcha video and 10 minutes of interesting content you know it's not like where you watch it for the first five and you're ready to turn it off it is an actual it's a very well-produced 10 minute video with 10 minutes of unique content in there so yeah and it's, it's nice not even all helis but the quality of the video production and the way the camera pans in certain scenes even if it's just like a couple of guys drinking a beer or someone talking on the microphone it looks great so go ahead and check that out definitely worthwhile on the topic of trailers our good friend Lottie, who some of you may know from the Pacific Northwest, Lottie Prosek, is a, a friend and fellow pilot here in Washington, uh, flies out of my home field CMHC in Snohomish, put together the Snohomish Fun Fly 2014 trailer. And this one's not as long, it's four minutes long, but Lottie. Man, for those of you guys who fly in this area, you know that in the last year, Lottie has kicked it up several notches. It really has become a hobby within his hobby, and that's the photography and the video aspects of it. He's got interviews in here with a couple of key people, Matt Bodos being one, not not anything major, but a couple of, you know, sentences here and there, really good uh, video shots of the flight line of the people gathered around of flying. Uh, and I think it really does capture the sort of the feel of the event. So definitely check that one out next. Let's see. What do we want to do next? We'll, we'll, uh, well, we'll do the, we'll be, do the align. Well, before you go into any other news, since we're talking about videos, mm-hmm. I think <laughs> and I've seen the tags on Facebook uh, and I, every time I looked at it, I just didn't have time to watch it. But about an hour before we started recording, I was like, you know, I should watch this video because I'm tagged in it. And I had no, mm-hmm. it was a Halloween video. You guys seen it, right? It's the one uh, that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I take issue that. with said video. I love but continue. it. <laughs> I love it. Justin's the monster. <laughs> I can't even speak, dude. <laughs> 
That is funny as hell. I yeah. I really I wish I would have seen it sooner, but I watched it like four times in a row, and every time I watched it, Nick's dancing around in his his breastuses. Yeah, yeah, Nick's got some <laughs> boobies. <laughs> Nick's got boobs. <laughs> oh, yeah, Antonio's funny. did a good job on and that. I liked that a lot. <laughs> and Jesse's smile. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Fantastic, fantastic video. Just a quick mention. Thank you, Antonio's, for putting that together. It's fantastic. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, back to the news. G Pro from Align, the new fly barless system, G Pro version 1.3, has been released. This is a new update, and apparently it allows you to access this through iOS 8. So you can get, we knew before that this was uh, compatible with Windows, um, Apple, in terms of apps to program your fly barless system at the field but now uh it uh, fixes some bugs with ios 8 it improves the processing time apparently it processes 20 times faster uh, makes it much more precise and agile um, interface allows more convenient and rapid setup fully supported all of the receivers and satellites on the market so if you're a g pro person this might be useful for you. Now, one one thing that I wonder with this is: is there any sort of module or Bluetooth module or anything that you need to purchase to make it work, like with your iPhone or Android device, or is it just built right into the Flybarless system? That's a really good um, question. And I, Jesse. I have I have no idea, but that would be pretty sweet. You know, if you don't have to run any sort of Bluetooth module or anything like that, I mean, how convenient would that be? Just those, you know, those times when you don't want to bring your laptop out to the field, but you can still have that nice visual graphic uh, interface to tune your flybarless system with. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I, you know, I honestly have not heard mention of a Bluetooth module, but then again, I haven't really sought out a lot of information on the G Pro. That would yeah, be same awesome, here. though. If it's just all, you know, all encompassing right in the stock unit, that would be a pretty cool feature. Mm-hmm. All right, next. Scorpion has announced the release of their Commander High Voltage 160 Amp ESC, but this time with the BEC. So, you know, George has had the 160 Amp out for a while now, probably over a year. 14S capable, 160 amps, big beefy heat sink. But there have been a lot of people pushing for BEC integrated and heat. He started that off with the 120 amp ESC, and now he's bringing it online for the 160. So this is going to be MSRP is $450 for the ESC, which in the grand scheme of things is you know pretty darn reasonable given the capabilities that this thing has. Yeah, 160 with the BEC. Yeah. Right. And the BEC itself, I don't have information on it, in terms of capability, or do I? Yes, I do. 5.5 volts to 8.2 adjustable. Max continuous current is 10 amps at 8.2 volts. Wow. And then the peak output is 15 amps for one second at 8.2 volts. So it's mm. a pretty darn capable ESC. 
And I, I mean, I can say with confidence that this is going to be a good one because I fly the opto version, the non BEC version in my Goblin 770. And it really is a great, a great little ESC. All right. Almost there, Dan. I know you're this one. Me. This one actually may be right up your. Uh, this is Dan's news. Right up your alley, dude. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it involves amazing those which shall not be named no 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 just for dan no okay well i'm going to talk about it anyway all right our friends at blade helicopters have announced yesterday the release of the blade fpv nano qx now i this one really did catch my eye i'll be honest I've always been somewhat interested in the multi-rotor thing just as a, yeah, a pro- I'll call it a distraction, a hobby within a hobby, like the motor, like everything else, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But this one uses their their new uh, self-leveling safe technology system in a small micro, or they call it a nano quadcopter, and a fully plug-and-play fpv system so it comes with an fpv camera on 5.8 gigahertz with a transmitter and a receiver fat shark goggles um the whole setup ready to go Hmm. and what's really neat about this one is that the fat sharks come out of the box ready with what's called digital head tracking you guys know Ooh. that in the FPV world, or you may know that sometimes people will put their cameras on like a gimbal that you can head track with. So you move your head to the left nice. and the camera moves to the left. This one uses a fixed position camera that has digital software that allows <laughs> you to move the field of view within the fixed image frame That's of the camera. That's pretty cool. Oh, gotcha. Yep. And the best part is that with this particular setup, and I suspect it has to do with the transmitting power level, you do not need an FCC license. So you don't have to go and get your ham license. Ah, I think this is going to be a popular one. And if yeah, that's pretty cool, especially with the built in uh, head tracking, because that just that's a whole, you know, that bumps it up a level, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's the one thing that throws people when they're first doing FPV. They, they, const- Can't look around. they constantly are. <laughs> uncomfortable because they they can't see what's happening at the side yep so and you, you, you see you them easy. they will move their head back and forth if they're using goggles uh you know subconsciously like they're able to look but they can't they right. don't see yeah. it i mean the only really the only downside to that that i could see is you know for, for someone that can maneuver the multi-rotor and look to the sides and and doesn't have that uncomfortable feeling it's kind of like well why don't you just give me the whole frame that the camera can handle right up front so i can just see all that the whole time but you know to kind of i guess limit that to crop you down does give you that ability to look around so it's, i guess it's kind of whatever you prefer but yeah and and the nice thing is that if you don't necessarily want to put you know put that fpv system with that quad Maybe you want to try it yeah. on something else. You can buy the FPV system separately. The oh, fat shark oh, nice. goggles with the transmitter and the digital head tracking, all of that. I might look into that. Yeah. And, you know, you know Blade, dude. It's going to be affordable. 
Yeah. I'd be surprised if that comes out for more than 200 bucks ready to fly. Really? Because aren't bat sharks like... Yeah, they're with the goggles. Oh, you know what? That's a really good point. I see that just for the Damn multi-rotor. It. I wonder how much it is. You throw the goggles in there. You're looking at another 300 bucks for the goggles. Aren't you? Well, they might get them a, bun- a bundle deal. But yeah, some I would say close to it. Yeah, you're right. But still, maybe the model itself is two hundred, and then another two hundred for the goggles. What would be? Would there be any reason you couldn't grow with it and move this from, say, that little one to maybe a four fifty or a five fifty frame? I wouldn't imagine that would have a you know be a problem. Why? Yeah. Why not? So yeah. there you go. That's not a bad deal. Yeah, they're going to bring everything that, you know, it works together. Everything's going to be set up for you into one convenient package, and you're going to get a good price on it. So, Yep. We'll see how it turns out. Between that and the 180 from a few weeks ago, Blades still got it. Yeah. Hmm. Are you guys ready for the news of the week? Lay it on me, baby. Let's hear it. You know of a dude named Andy, lives down in New Zealand. Oh yeah, did he? I heard did smart he, uh, dude. camp next to us at Urcha. I think yeah, I heard him, yeah, he may have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was right next to us. He's got something called like uh, Soko Helical something. Heli tools, Soko Heli tools. That's what it is. That's it. That's it. Oh Soko heli yeah, tools. yeah, yeah. Of course. I uh, yeah, I like this dude, and I like him even more now. Because Andy has announced the release of the Soko Heli Tools app, the new Soko mm-hmm. Heli Toolbox app. This is what he's been talking about now for a while. It started out with the whole, he was trying to do the Soko table, right? So you had, you, yep. you could eliminate all of the sort of futzing with the playing cards and leveling out your heli on whatever surface you're on. It turns into a full app that he's working on. In fact, I think he was working on it on a on an uh you know a prototype version of the software on the plane to Urcha. That's yep. how hardcore this guy is. It's finally released. Right now it's only available on Android devices, but he's gonna be working to put it on o- iOS. So all you Apple guys hang in there. Uh this this app is awesome. What it basically does is it allows you to use your handheld device uh, to fully set up your heli just like you were able to do with the old school Soko Helical. It has a virtual main shaft feature that's optional. And basically what this is, uh, is it allows you to uh, use your, your phone, your mobile device, Put your heli on any stable surface. It does not need to be level. You take a couple of measurements and the app will compute a virtual model Mm -hmm. of your main shaft in 3D space. So you don't need any more stuff to level out your heli under the skids, anything like that. It does it all in software. It includes the manual, the full PDF manual in the software. And it's going to be, a, you know, an all-in-one solution. So check it out uh, in the nice. show notes. We will have a link to Andy's Facebook post on Facebook Soko Heli, Heli Tools. 
and you can go to Google Play and pick up the Android app. Very nice. Yep. Nice. That's awesome. Innovation. That's right. And the iOS version is their next priority. Uh, they're going to start beta testing it in internal to the team uh, in mid to end, no, end of November, I believe, maybe early December. So hopefully it won't be too much longer before us Apple people can get a hold of it as well. Nice. Any more news? Oh, I got some some Compass news, Dan. Oh, oh well, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa. right? Who are you and what have you done with Jesse? I'm Dan, I'm right here. It, you know, every every so often something surfaces. It's, you know, they're rare. Very infrequent, I would agree. Very infrequent, but every so often they do happen, it you know. It does happen. What do you got? So I got a announcement. The pre-order for the Chrono 700 has officially begun. And I have word that this pre-order is going to be running for about two more weeks before the kits are going to show up and then stuff's going to be shipping. The magic two weeks. The magic two yeah, weeks, Yeah, you know, right? you were doing great, Jesse, until you mentioned God. that. You should have said three weeks, man. Okay, we'll go. Th- we'll no, go th- lie to us. How about, no, no, no. How about this? We'll go four weeks. There you go. But that way, I'm very confident they'll show up in two. So that way, everyone will be so pleased and happy. Yeah. Are you excited? I, I'm pretty excited. One of the cool things is so the the airframe price on this is 780 bucks. Oh. Um. So I, in my opinion, for a 700 class helicopter, very very reasonable. Yeah. Um. And then the price with blades and a motor is 999. It seems like coming in at a pretty good price point, especially with all the upgrades that seem to be offered. And then what we had previously discussed on the show um, a while back was, you know, will I be able to take my current 7HV and upgrade it? to a Kronos kit and the answer is yes so also on ProStar they have available a couple of the upgrade kits from taking your 7HV to a Kronos and it looks like for the complete upgrade which includes upper and lower bearing blocks um, a complete new head canopy skids um, vertical tail vertical tail fin uh, frame supports all that stuff for 425 hmm. And so you have a little bit of an option there whether to, you know, upgrade the 7HV. Wait a or... minute, 425 for what? So you got a complete new main shaft head, upper and lower bearing blocks, skids, vertical fin, frame supports. Um, there's some other hardware included and a canopy. Wow. And that basically takes your... Old school seven HV, whether it's a V one yep. or a V two. Yep, I mean obviously the the ultimate the seven HV ultimate is going to have all the upgrades like the tail and the helical uh, main shaft, but essentially, yeah, you could slap this in whatever and bring it all the way up. Okay, and so and they're they're kind of breaking that down a little bit. That's a complete package. Um, you can get that hardware without the canopy. It's a little bit cheaper. But, you know, my opinion is if you're going to upgrade, you might as well get the new canopy while they're throwing it in. That actually feels like a pretty good deal, considering all that. Yeah, not not too bad when you consider all the hardware that goes into a head. That includes the swash plate, too. So the head, the, all the grips, all the main head block, main shaft, swash plate, all the hardware to go along with that. Yeah. Um, the upper and lower bearing block, you know, so which is a huge part of the frame on the 7HV canopy. 
and all yeah all that stuff so you know i I do like that they're you know giving people the option so Mm -hmm. so so lots of stuff available but like Uh, i said i have i have word that it's i guess we're saying four weeks so you know plan on four weeks (laughs) (laughs) we'll see we'll see i'm definitely at this point i think i'm going to be taking the upgrade route myself just to be able to get one model flying um, with the new airframe and the new components, and then you know, see what happens. Oh, you mean from you might there. as well because your 7HV is totaled right now. It's my 7HV isn't flying so well at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So, huh? Yeah, but I'm. That's all I got I'm for news. Beside myself, Justin. I um, Jesse had news. He did have news, I, and I it and news. it appears to be. Have you, like are you are realistic? You, news. Are you fact checking? Like are you, are actual you, news, like you can. Yeah, I I did not make this up. Yeah, some my my team manager no, just emailed I did, this. Uh, me. Yeah, He's like, ProStar hey, does in fact have an upgrade kit that he just discussed. You got fact checked. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. That's you know I would expect nothing. I would be worried if Justin didn't fact check me. So thank you. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Well, that's it for news then, huh? Good, good news. That's a lot of news. Yeah. All right. Are you, you got your notepad out, Justin? I'm ready, Dan. All right. All right, guys. This week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. In today's heli market, it can be a challenge to find a retailer that stocks a variety of different brands and parts has great customer service, and boasts fast shipping. I can tell you that Rotary Wing RC has all of this and more. Finally, I feel like i found a place where I can get everything in one order, and I'm confident that I'll get the shipment quickly so that I can get back in the air next weekend. You don't believe it, huh? Trust me. Go to www.rotarywingrc.com now and check out your new go-to online heli shop. See, the trick is to switch it up every so often. Yeah, see, I, I, I didn't like that scene. one as, as much as the intro. You gotta... Don't tell me my business. Make a your business. Switch it up. Hit the points. Don't tell me my business. <laughs> All right, what's on, the, what's on the slate for today, guys? What are we talking about? Batteries? Securement? We- Batteries. Yeah, we're we're not we're not yeah. just talking about batteries. We're talking about flying batteries. Flying batteries, and not the type flying. that fly with the heli. The type that fly out of the heli. Off. Justin, the heli. you're an expert in this topic. <laughs> I I am Dan. I I've had never, this happen before. I have never once ejected a battery. Yeah, yeah seriously. Wait, even in a crash. Even Dan? in a crash. Oh, okay. You got me then. Okay, so. What we're going to do here is I, I want to start it off with a story that was related to me this this week from one of our listeners and friends, Nick Rollins. You know, Nick, uh, FMC Nick, right on the forums. Uh, Nick mm-hmm. is on Team JR, flies the Forza. He's flew the guy. The Forza. He's the guy. The he's the, the yeah, he's the one. Dude. Well, him and Scott Gray. <laughs> there we go. Right. Keeping it going. <laughs> Flew the, the Forza chair, the this last week. And Hiroki Ito or whatever the guy's name is that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that flies well, over three. Japan. Robert Gorham is as well. 
Well, yeah, at least the uh, radio side. Hopefully they, hopefully they crash a lot, you know, keep those parts flowing. Well, I'll tell you, with the good pricing they've got on the Forza 450, I bet you there are a lot more people in that market now. Yeah, that is true. Anyway, we're off on a tangent here. We do that Nick often. Nick told me that he was flying his Forza 700, doing some fast flying, some speed runs, some fast circuits and figure eights and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, his flight packs actually came out of the helicopter and... Uh, and apparently, in the process of doing so, either took with them his receiver or damaged his receiver such that his OptiGuard didn't really help all that much <laughs> in terms of bringing it down under control. <laughs> yeah, because it can provide power, but it has to have something to provide power to. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure the OptiGuard was doing I mean, it was flashing like a sum bitch. Yeah. But it didn't. It, was working, it wasn't going to do anything. Give it her there was Captain. nothing. Yep. Getting that power. That LED was not enough to slow the descent. Anyway, it ate itself. It was pretty much a complete rekit that's how bad this one was i think one of the batteries got hit a uh, little bit damaged probably okay uh the servos i think are okay but a lot of the other stuff got damaged uh he, he it's funny he said you know i probably should have rekitted it but i decided to order the spare parts <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself you know i've actually never rekitted a heli before but if I were in that position, I think I would do the rekit just for sanity's sake. Because do you want to start with a muddy mess no. of just destroyed yeah. crap and sift through all the parts? Or do you just want to open up a nice, clean, organized kit box and start over? Yep. So it's okay, Nick. I'm sure you'll get her back up in the air. Well, so anyway, th this brings us to the topic of battery retaining. And, of course, you guys brought up the story that I gave, you know, six or eight months ago where uh, the battery straps on my 770 decided to give out and I wasn't using a canopy. And my 12S stick pack shot out and got sucked into the blade disc and all <laughs> hell broke loose. Packs blew up, started burning. Heli fell to the ground, destroyed itself. Uh, it was great. It was great. So what, what, what are your guys' experiences with this? It sounds like you haven't had it happen before, but what do you guys typically do to prevent something like that happening? What are your mm -hmm. sort of best practices for battery retaining? Well, I simply start with, uh, and I don't know, if I'm doing anything different than anybody else and I just have been lucky, but I always have one layer of double, of not a double sided, but the, you know, the two strips of adhesive on the bottom, you know, where it's going to be sitting to keep it from sliding. Uh, mm -hmm. And then typically I, I don't use D loops, the D loop straps. The reason why I don't, well, I, I take that back. I do because uh, it's just too much of a pain in the ass on my rush to not. But if I can get away from it, I I have a feeling that sometimes D loop straps are are fastened down too tight. Okay. 
and it causes undue stress on the fabric. On the plastic, on the loop itself, right? right. Oh, on the strap, nice. So, you know, the double-sided, I love the double-sided Velcro. You know, there's no adhesive. You simply, and I always, I don't know, I weird, I, I always put it soft side in against the battery and abrasive side out, right? And that way you're really limited to how much stress or how, how tightly you can make that Velcro. I mean, it's secure enough, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not like over tight. Now, let, let me make sure I'm clear on what you're talking about. When you say the double-sided Velcro, are this you referring you- to like the straps that they give you in like an Align kit? Dan? No, no. Well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess they do. Yeah, you know where it says ones, yeah. Align on it and yeah, it's I got don't the use, fuzzy bit and yeah, the crusty bit. I don't use that stuff, though. I go down to like Michael's Art Supply or whatever and get mm-hmm. like, uh, well, typically half inch or in some cases one inch wide, kind of a heavier duty. Yep. Um, and, and it, you know, you have to wrap it over itself. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I just, I pull it, I pull it tight on the lower layer of the overlap up against a corner. And I just keep the corner of my thumb on it. And I leave just enough exposed to where I can start the Velcro together. And then I slide my thumb out between the two layers and push with my other hand, just push it down. So it then it, nice smooth at ease right to the you know what that's that's i hadn't thought about that i use a smaller version of that for like tying down wires servo wires yeah. or stuff going that's into what the i use that that, system. that that align stuff for. yeah but what's nice about that now that i think about it is i think that the the layer of material between the fuzzy portion and the hooks on the velcro it's actually like mm-hmm. a plastic layer and it's pretty heavy duty. So it it probably can handle the stress of like, because inevitably, regardless of what heli it is, you got a situation where the strap is not entirely on the pack and maybe it's now pressing up against the edge of a frame, like carbon fiber plate or mm-hmm. a piece of aluminum. And then that becomes a stress point that for the, the D-loop straps, which is what I use, by the way, if you don't break the plastic D loop itself by over tightening, you can start wearing away at the relatively thin, like rubber or cloth backing mm-hmm. on the Velcro strap itself. Yep. There is one other thing that I always make sure to do that, that piece of adhesive and you guys know what I'm talking about by adhesive. It's two strips. One's the fuzzy one's the grippy side, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That I lay down on the bed of wherever the battery is going to be. That's always, that heavy duty, I don't know how they gauge that, whether it's by how many hooks there are, but it's, it's, it's not, it's like the heavy duty, you know, it's, I don't, mm-hmm. they call it heavy duty. I mean, that's what it yeah, says. Like on the the, is it the one that you buy strip. like in the big 10 foot roll at yes, Home Depot? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's what I used to. Yep. Same here. And it's not, it's, you, you know, you, how do you tell heavy duty? Well, the only ob- obvious conclusion i've come to is that when you look at it you can tell because on the heavy duty stuff the fuzzy side is really fuzzy and on the loop side or the hook side it's they're they're large and there are many more of them very dense yes yeah yep so and that's important too because that's what's actually holding 
everything together and then the two straps are just simply keeping the top on mm-hmm. keeping pressure yeah. yeah how about you jesse because mm. we all have well, we've all got slightly different heli setups right so battery yeah, so, retention varies by model yeah so on the 7hv it's a tray style so one pack it's a you know it takes a stick pack tray style one pack in front of the other and I used the same uh, heavy-duty Velcro, but I didn't, you know, the 10-foot rolls, cut it down to the right width, and run that right down the center of the tray, the full, the full length that the packs are going to cover, and then stick down both packs to that. And then I use the Velcro straps that have the plastic, um, I guess, ring on them to help tighten them down. And generally, kind of with how the spacing works out on the trays for the 7HV, it ends up to where there's two straps on the back battery and one strap on the front battery. And I've been running this for pretty much the entire time I've had the 7HV. And the only times that it's given me any trouble, I guess, is in the event of a crash. So in flight, any 3D flight that, that I can throw out the machine... I have not had the pack slip, move, um, anything of that sort, but I have had in some nasty crashes, um, I've ejected a pack one time, um, the blades did not hit the pack or anything, the pack was completely fine, but it did slip out the front and off the tray, and then in a couple of the crashes, including the one at Othello recently, the, the front pack just kind of shifts forward maybe like a quarter of an inch just to where you see that little bit of a gap in between them. That wasn't there before, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily damage the pack or come off the tray and fly out of the heli. Um, it's just the sort of thing where you take that front strap loose, you you know tear the pack off, move it back a little bit and re-stick down the Velcro and tighten the, the, uh, the strap back up. And so that's what I do on the 7HV on the stick packs and even on you know the the when i had the 6hv that was the same kind of deal where that had two packs side by side no trays where you had the velc the uh the male side of the velcro right on the heli and then i put the female side of the velcro or the fuzzy side of the velcro on the batteries and it was the same sort of deal so i tend to go with the i guess not so permanent method of using the double-sided like 3m you know, tape like we use for our fly barless systems right, or anything like right. that and just stick with a good old Velcro. And I guess that way, if, you know, if something changes with my setup, I'm able to just unstick the packs, shift them around a little bit, <laughs> move them back. And yeah, like, you know, it hasn't given me any trouble in flight. So on I, I see no reason to, uh, to change it, I guess. That's just what I've been doing. Now on, on the, you said that there are like two straps that go all the way around the backpack and then one on the front. Yep. What style strap is that? Is that like the double-sided so Velcro like Dan's talking about? No. Have you seen like the Gen Z straps where you put it through the plastic loop and then pull it back over yeah, itself okay, and so stick it's it down? Yeah, okay. So it's a D-loop strap. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And now so, that- and I tighten them and I tighten them. I, I tighten them. I crank them down. They're, okay. They're, they're <laughs> pretty darn tight. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're pretty darn tight. Um. So, so that, that brings us to another interesting aspect. So, you know, we talk about the adhesive Velcro like Dan discussed. And I, I, to my knowledge, there's really only one style of that. 
But the, the mm-hmm. D style straps, there are a couple of different ways to do it. You've got like what you're talking about, which is the Gens A style, or even I think in the newer Align kits, they ship with D straps with the Align logo on them. But their backing is that nylon cloth, basically just the substrate for the hooks mm-hmm. and the and the fuzz of the Velcro. But you can also get rubberized D straps. And some some of my favorite oh, are the scorpion ones. Goblin does yep. that too. Goblin does it as well. I don't like okay. them. Don't like them. You you don't like them. No. Okay. Why? Because it, inevitably, when I'm tightening a D loop, I need to snug it up and then push my finger against the D loop and move it back. Especially on the rush, because so I'm I'm tightening it up and I don't want the D loop to be right on the corner of the battery, right? Mm-hmm. So I snug it up and then I push as it's because it's a little tighter now. And now I push the whole, I shift the whole strap towards the center line of the machine. Yep. Uh, yep. So then when I do snug it down this time, now it's, it's snug down on the top flat part of the battery as opposed to right on the corner of the battery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did have some goblin straps. In fact, one of the straps in my rush is a goblin strap. Uh, because it was so long, because the Goblin, the the 500 had straps that were uh, not cross-section, but lengthwise. Right. So, and I needed a long strap because I used two straps to go, because you guys are familiar with how the Rush uh, saddle system is. It's got, mm-hmm. it's got the, yeah. the, the space in the center. So the two outer straps just hold the front and the back of the respective battery on each side. So there's five total straps. Right. And then the goblin strap, which is in the middle, goes around the whole caboodle. Mm-hmm. Both so packs and both in packs total. and the center. Yep. So I actually yep. had to pull that and you on the goblin strap you can't. You can pull that that uh rubberized part off. Because it, I couldn't get it to slide. Aha. Uh-huh. Gotcha. And, and I one thing I want to mention too is trays um, as you guys are aware, I'm a big fan of permanent. <laughs> uh-huh. know, the yep. <laughs> I'm I, surprised you don't sugar your batteries down. I, honestly, if I, <laughs> I mean, all my tray stuff on there. And here's another thing: Nick's gonna have an awesome time trying to get batteries off the trays. Um, because Uh-oh. there is for the Goblin 500. <laughs> <laughs> because I wonder if he's discovered that yet. You know how um. The 3M tape works so well. There are two strips side by side underneath each battery. And as the longer yeah. you let the 3M tape stay, oh, the yeah. harder it is to oh, get yeah. on. Yep. So, and on top of that, now I've only owned a couple trade helis and had the opportunity to work on Ed's 600 EFL and his Goblin. Now, right. If I'm able to, which only the 600 EFL, I was able to do this, I used packing tape. I used no Velcro at all. I used uh, some 3M tape on the bottom and packing tape to hold them in. You know, I've heard a lot of people I, say that before, Dan, and I've seen some, you know, older packs on, on the for sale forums where they've got them covered in packing or... Uh, or even, you know, I've seen a couple with duct tape. 
Mm. I don't know if I'd use duct tape. So I, I've used packing tape before. So one time where I, one example of when I use it is on the 6HV. So the packs are side by side on the front of the heli, no tray. So you just mount them right on. And I find it very convenient to use packing tape to kind of make the both batteries one solid pack of side by side. And then I'll put the Velcro on the outside of the packing tape. Yeah. And then strap them down over that. So it makes it one solid unit. Those two batteries stay together. Kind of makes it like a flight pack as if they were on a tray. Yeah. And then the other time I'll use packing tape is when making my stick packs for the 7HV. I'll use it to hold down like the balance lead extensions um, and stuff like that on the side of the packs. Oh, there you go. So all that stays nice and tucked in. Um, So not necessarily structural in that that case, but just to kind of keep everything nice and clean. Just a couple thin layers of packing tape. Yeah, you know, I I haven't used packing tape, but I do want to go back to the rubberized versus not on the D loops, Dan. Uh, you know, I've I've actually never talked to anyone about this, so I, I was surprised to hear that you don't like the rubberized. I just assumed everyone would prefer the rubberized. That's what I use. I use the rubberized Scorpion straps, and uh, what I tend to do, and this may just be a function of the design of the helis I that so. I put my packs in. Yep. But I, I basically, you know, the goblins, you know, take a stick pack arrangement, the TDRs the same way. And, uh, and, and they have slots in the carbon fiber frame sides. And so what I tend to do is run the strap through the slots and the, the bottom of the slots, like underneath the battery, the strap can just sit there. So I'm not literally physically removing the, the strap each time. It just kind of stays in the airframe and gets unhooked on one side. The D loop goes all the way against one of the slots at the bottom of the frame. And so when I slide the pack in, I basically pull the strap out from under pull it around the the battery into the D loop and then just crank on it and tighten it down. And I don't have to adjust like you're like you're describing and it works out really well. Uh, I I like them better for two reasons. One, I'm super paranoid about sticks sliding out of the heli for obvious reasons. (laughs) And, and you'd be surprised you can crank the non rubberized versions down really tight. Yes. You You know, like, put a foot down on the heli and two hand yank on the strap upwards. And you could still with enough muscle start sliding that pack in and out. So that makes me a little nervous, especially given even if it's not going to come out during flight, if it were to crash, you talk about like what Jesse had where he's ejected packs. That's a bad day Mm -hmm. too. So the rubber is going to prevent that. The other thing I found, at least with the brands of straps I've used, the rubber backing seems to be thicker and more resilient to wear on frame edges and just overall, you know, the stress of being tightened down so many times over and over again. On the stick packs, um, I actually... I really like the goblin style where they have the carbon fiber plate underneath and then uh, they use shrink wrap. So I've I've ended up buying like 20 or 30 of those long, clear shrink wrap tubes that goblin sells. It's like eight bucks for 10 of them or whatever. 
and I I shrink wrap all of my tubes down to carb or all of my batteries down to carbon fiber and use the goblin stick packs in the goblins in the TDR uh, just across the board. It works great. It's it's really. I find a lot easier to deal with than having a whole bunch of of straps holding the pack onto the carbon fiber. I just use the 3M double sided uh, to get it to the carbon fiber and then shrink wrap it. And then I do two straps front and back on one stick and I'm good to go. Yeah, I saw Hmm. I saw you fighting with one of those. Yeah, that's a good idea. Was I fighting with it? (laughs) Yeah, you were having some issues with it. On what heli? Uh, One of your goblins. It was right, right at Dieter's. Huh. I don't recall, but okay, that's fair. So, uh, you know, we we talked a lot about the bigger packs. What about what about smaller packs, whether it be a receiver pack, maybe, you know, a 450 pack, Jesse, you fly the yep. the the 360, the warp. What yep. what do you do there? Or on your nitro? Yeah, same same deal. So on the warp 360, I have the same in, you know industrial style Velcro. Put the male side or the hook side on the airframe, and then the female side, the fuzzy side, on the battery. And you know, that that's basically once again using Velcro because in between each flight, you're pull, you know, you're undoing that Velcro, charging the the pack, and then sticking it back on. And then I run two straps on the warp, and just kind of the single double-sided straps the the ones that compass provides similar to the align and then on the nitro uh same deal except i just run one thick strap on it yeah um, on the very, receiver very pack, tight that's how yeah I tend but to remember it that well. it's a big it's a big receiver pack on the n7 um but still i you know i've gotten away with just one really good really good pack that you can cinch down or one strap that you can cinch down uh, pretty tight so that hasn't given me any issues. I typically do the I typically do the same thing uh, that I do for my regular uh, flight packs for my uh, receiver packs. One big industrial adhesive, and then generally two small double sided. I don't worry too much about that one. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot less mass to worry about, right? Yeah. So it's it's certainly less likely to eject itself if you've got it strapped down and velcroed than a full, you know, four or five pound 12S 5000 stick. So, you know, we've been talking about what we do now. Let's take a little trip and maybe you guys might be able to remember these days. Um, it was pre fly bar back when vibration <laughs> back when vibration was a. <laughs> Back in the day when you used to have to dial in fly bar less or yeah, pre fly bar less. So you had to dial indicate your motors. Do you guys remember doing that? Nope. Really? Nope. Well, nitro motors. Yes. Yeah. But not electric motors. Well, electric didn't exist back then, man. Come on. True. Um, so do you guys remember zeal tape? Mm-hmm. Yes. I still yes, have I some. <laughs> really? Yeah, dude. That like quarter inch thick green nastiness. Tape. Yeah, it, it's like polyurethane gel. Yeah, and then and then yeah. do you guys also remember back in the day when uh it, everyone was putting velcro straps over their tail gyros? 
Yep. Yep. Man, how time, times have changed, huh? I remember when people put Velcro straps over their V-bars. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that. That's just because they had that foam tape stuff where it just your fly barless sensor could just jiggle all around. Well, so so that's that's a that's a good question. Does anyone put straps over their fly barless systems no. anymore? No. Yeah, no. I sure don't. It's my 3M. fly barless gets stuck down by one layer of 3M gray. Doesn't make a difference what the power system is. Same for me. And I remember back when it was like, okay, two layers of of double sided tape, one metal plate, and then yep. another layer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Another layer of double sided mm-hmm. tape. What a mess, man! And then, and then you would go to the forums asking for help, and you would have twenty different solutions on how you should. Oh yeah, you know, and no one would agree on what it was, and no one really had a real definite solution for you. And that you know, it was basically down to well, let's try one layer of tape and a metal plate, and then another layer of tape. Or like a zip tie going over the top with fuel tubing on exactly. it. Exactly. Oh. Zip tie with zeal tape under it and then a Velcro strip. Yeah. <laughs> I do I, remember that. I never yeah. had luck with zeal tape. Never. But so many people swore by it. I, I did have limited success. It Now, the the actual zeal brand tape was not as good, in my opinion, as the Align gel polyurethane blue it's basically the same stuff right except the align is sort of like a richer clear blue color yep that worked really well now could you clean that stuff and reuse it you you could could? yeah you just ran it under some water Mm -hmm. you know rinsed off whatever the crap was that was on there and you were good to go stuck it back down yep in fact i still i think i still have some of that align stuff on my (laughs) multi-rotor because the the transmitter that i have on there for the video is so uneven on the bottom of the board that since that stuff's like a quarter inch thick Mm -hmm. it just it doesn't really matter if it's a very uneven surface it just kind of bonds wherever and you loosely strap it down so yeah definitely good stuff those were the days those were back when we used to have fly bars on our machines it's chasing down vibes all the time Now the problem is they'll just fly with anything. <laughs> they really <laughs> will. Be, I mean, tons of bad bearings on there. Still just working great. Are are bolts missing from the head and damp? There were bolts missing from the head. Dampers that are oh man wore out three months ago or a year ago. Well, that's <laughs> a little bit different than bolts missing from the head. Yeah, I had that. You guys remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Jesse and Nick found it. Oh that yeah! One winner. Oh, that's right. On the on the seven hundred nitro. That's right. Yep. Like, isn't there supposed to be a bolt in here? <laughs> and Jesse grabs the head, and there's like, there's like two degrees of wobble. He's like, that yeah. doesn't feel right. I don't think that's right. And they you know? get to looking real close, and like, hey, you got bolts missing from <laughs> the head of your helicopter. <laughs> oh man. Oh. My bad. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah. That's when I was just flying and flying and flying and flying and flying and not caring about maintenance. Yeah, you probably just, they just fell out from so many flights. You know, there aren't many companies that can honestly say they offer a complete spectrum of helis from beginner 
all the way to expert. Well, Blade Helicopters can not only make that claim, but they can most certainly back it up. Whether you're looking for your first collective pitch heli, like maybe the 200 SRX with self-leveling safe technology, or you're ready to step up and play with the big boys and get the 700X Pro Series, you'll be sure to find a Blade Heli that will fit your skill level and budget. From little kids to big kids, Blade's got something for you. So fly on over to www.bladehelis.com for more information. What other strap-down stuff do we want to talk about? Well, I I want to go back to the 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 stick pack arrangements, and maybe it's not mm-hmm. specific to stick pack, Dan. But you know, we're we're talking about how do we prevent the thing from flying out of the heli? Well, there happen to be a number of designs where even staying in the heli but bouncing around is a bad deal. For example, mm-hmm. Goblin. There's a pinion up there. So how do you how do you protect your packs? Do you do I I personally use carbon fiber plate on top and bottom. Wow. Do you guys do any of that? I don't do anything like because I don't really have any helis that no that would re, that are that and in that sensitive of an area except for the except for the the uh, goblin that I used to have. But dude, I'm telling you, those batteries are going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> As Nick, Ever. as Nick will find out when he. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, even on the seven HV Jesse, because I had a seven HV, and I'll yeah. be honest, those battery trays are flimsy as shit. Because it's G10. they are when they're when they're out of the heli. But did you ever? Did you feel that same way when they're in? Did you have the? So I guess first question is: In your helicopter, did you have the rails or the pins for the that the battery slid in on? Mine slid in on the rails. The, so the full length the of the full tray. length. Isn't that okay. the way it is now? Yeah, that's that's the new. So the old V1 kit had pins, like individual, where each okay. screw is on the rail. Yeah, that was just yeah, a yeah. pin. So there was a lot. There's a little bit more play in there. Sure. But with the rails, I would agree out of the helicopter, you're going, man, this seems kind of flimsy. But I've noticed once you get it in there. There doesn't seem to be any movement. You're right. I just uh, don't like it. And so I put a thin strip of carbon fiber over the top so that when it's on the heli, it still behaves like a single stick. Yep. Now that makes sense. Because, you know, you hang two fifty three hundreds off that thing and hold Mm -hmm. it by the front and that back pack will give you a, a fair few degrees of bendage. In the middle. Oh, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's just when that's actually in the heli, it's supported almost the full length. Yes, you're with an aluminum rail. Correct. Yeah, you're right. So, but yeah, I, I agree. Out of the heli, it's it's a flimsy piece. Yeah. But I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't run, I currently don't run any sort of carbon fiber or any other reinforcement than just strapping them straight to that piece. And no for you, Dan? No, never have. Have you ever owned a heli where there was the threat of a pinion drilling through the top of your pack? Other than the Goblin. It's no. the same on the Goblin 500? Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know how close your pinion was, but I had I had a good 25, 20 millimeters of clearance. On the original Goblin 700, like the non-competition version, it was pretty tight with 5300s in there. 
It really was. Now with the higher, the taller frame sides, there's a fair amount of clearance. Yeah, that was the limiting factor with with pack choice in the 500. You know, how tall were the batteries? Because, you, you know, you could get close, you know. You could get close if you wanted to. I just chose battery packs that gave me good clearance and good flight time. And Nick wasn't real happy with the flight time. Uh, I think no, I, he wasn't. I had mine. My timer set at five minutes and thirty seconds. That's plenty of time for that little helicopter for me. Yeah, he was getting. He's getting three forty. Yeah, but he was three forty five. He was running a lot higher head speed though. He was at twenty four fifty. What were you flying? Twenty two. Uh. Well, t- head speed, pitch, flying style. Yeah, and he's flying a lot harder than I am. Yeah, you bring yeah, all that point. stuff into it. That's a big, good point. Big difference. Well, I I would personally like to hear from the listeners on new and unique and interesting ways to protect the batteries or prevent them from popping out. You know, it sounds simple, and yet people still have issues with it, like myself and and Nick. And, mm-hmm. you know, half the time it's bad luck. Another half the time it's just not thinking straight. You know, so, I, yeah, I, unlike Justin, I'm not really interested in the ideas. I'm more interested in hearing about the carnage that you've had. So, so well, tell- and I've yet to get photos from Nick Rollins of what's left of the Forza. So I'm going to bug him again and see if we can we can get a feel for things. But if you want to send pictures of Carnage too, I'm I'm down with that. Oh, CC yeah. Dan and Jesse, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, and you might definitely. as well throw Nick in there as well. But if you've got ideas or or reasons why what we talked about has been problematic in the past for you, then let us know. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think one of my biggest things that I'm interested in is the success of keeping the helicopter or the uh, the batteries in the helicopter in the event of a crash, because that's really when I, you know, in, in my previous experience has been the most force on the batteries, trying to force them out of the model and kind of never fails. They either slip a little bit or like I said, they shot out one time. So trying to find a solution that just, you know, you know when that heli goes in, your batteries are fine. They're staying in between those frames, well protected. So, true. Don't want any lipo fires, right, Dieter? No. No. <laughs> no, no, That's no. what happened to mine when they came out. I know, right? It sucks. I've, I've, ah. I've never, have I ever, I don't think I've ever had a lipo go up on me. Not, I mean, not that I didn't purposely cause with a. With a I am not making any such statement. Ah. I do not want that bad. You don't want that bad juju? <laughs> no. I don't believe it. it I don't believe in bad juju. Well, I'm not taking the chance. <laughs> not even gonna, not even <laughs> yeah. Not even, even if Jesse it. doesn't believe, someone <laughs> out there does believe, we, and that might talking, bite him in the ass. We are talking helicopter on fire. That's I mean, you got to take the necessary precautions, even if you don't believe. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen crashes, and all of a sudden, a big yeah, puff of smoke comes exactly. up. Exactly. Uh, it's not good. Uh, at Urcha, we saw a multi-rotor go up. Do you guys remember that? No. One, one of the I don't. Y6s. They were doing the demo, and they had a midair, and one of them went down. And out, and out there, way out oh. in the field, while they're still doing their demo, there's this, this smoke just rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I I don't think I saw that. I don't remember that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, hmm. I think uh, you know, we got a there's a there's a little I don't know, a little event coming up here in about a month. 
There little, is. Little I can't remote. believe it's a month away, I, dude. That is That's so crazy to just right think now. about. Uh, the Orlando Heli Blowout. It's just about here. We are yeah. going. Are you excited? Are you guys excited? Just I'm in time. I'm super excited. Just in time for the shitty weather to, to head down to Southern Yeah, Florida. it's going to be so awesome. It's going to yep. be like a blizzard They're all going to be wearing I'm going to get coats. on a plane. <laughs> They're all going to be wearing winter coats. <laughs> We're going to be rocking the shorts. <laughs> shorts. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. T-shirt. It's so hot out here. <laughs> i'm really looking yep. forward to it of course uh we're talking uh, as i mentioned about the orlando Harley blowout we're going to be doing a show there and uh, a series of mini shows like we did at urcha we are do we're still doing that right if we change yeah that? we are okay. i can't oh, yeah. wait for the mi- dude that was so much fun that was a lot of fun so yeah what we're gonna do um this weekend in fact uh, um nick ken and i are gonna get together and we're gonna start recording some of our our intros and outros for that so we can be ready. And the idea is what we're going to try to get, and we, we, we did a pretty good job of sticking to our production schedule at Urchic considering everything that was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're still going to do the same thing. We'll probably roughly do about the same times, but just so you, if you weren't familiar, if you're not aware, probably a week or so before we go, we'll put it, we'll post on our webpage, maybe post it on Facebook, kind of give you an idea when you can expect those. And, you know, we have timelines, but then, you know, sometimes stuff happens that makes it like we say 11 o'clock. Well, we try to get it recorded before 11 and out by 11, but you, who knows what's happening? There might be something going on, a group of people trying to talk to us and we can't get the editing done right away. So if we say 11, you know, 11 to noon, somewhere in there, it'll be out. Same mm-hmm. thing in the evening and, and uh, uh, or the afternoon and the evening. Looking to do three a day, probably like we did at Urcha. And uh, that would probably be um, Friday and Saturday, right? And then a big show. So probably three shows on Friday and two little shows and one big show on Saturday. And the big show on Saturday, yep. yep. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, because there's a couple things that are going to be different. First of all, it's going to be darker a hell of a lot sooner because, you know, we're in the winter months. So That is true. We might change some of that stuff up, but it's going to be nice and warm, yep. so we're not too worried about it. Uh, we're looking forward to going down there. We just want to take a second to thank uh, Bert and Carrie and all the guys down there at Torches for having us come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we want to urge uh, all of our listeners in the area, if you weren't thinking about coming, make those plans. And if you're not in the area, you got to remember, this is a perfect opportunity to take your family to Orlando, Florida. Now, there's plenty of other things to do in Orlando other than go to, to the OHB. You can send the wife and kids, or if you're a female pilot, you can send the husband and the kids, right, off to, I don't know, what's down there? Dis- we, we got so chastised. Disney World. Is it Disney World? Remember, we said Disneyland. Disney, someone said Disneyland, and boy, oh, they let us have they it. They did let us <laughs> have it. So, I think Epcot Center's there. Yeah, Universal Studios yeah. and lots to do. Or I don't know what's down there. I've never been there, but I've been through there, but I've never stopped. But there's got to be a beach somewhere nearby. I don't know. Something alligators. Alligators, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Swamps. I think by the time you guys hear this, you and if you haven't pre-registered, you've missed out. As I understand it, pre-registration ends today. Is that correct? We can oh, that. I failed then. Well, let's check here. Uh, the day's not over. Well, it is. Well, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it over. is Eastern time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. So, eh, 
I guess uh, no need to talk about that. But if you wanted more information, it's super easy to find. You just have to go to Facebook, type in OHB Orlando Heli Blowout. If you Googled it, you will find all the information you need. There's information. I believe I've seen information on hotels, uh, you know, camping. If you're going to bring an RV, I know they're limited in RV parking is how many RVs they can have. Uh, what's going on in the area? You know, we're going to be, we're going to be hanging out as long as we can. And, uh, every night we're there and then we're going to put on a good show and, and do what we do. Really looking forward to getting a chance to meet some of the pilots that we've not met. And, and more importantly, in my opinion, meet our listeners from the, from the East coast, the Southern East coast, uh, in particular that have been so supportive of what we do. I mean, a big reason why we're coming down there is because we have a really large listener base in that area, and you guys are all awesome. So yep. be sure to let Bert and Carrie and anyone at Torches know, uh, you know, give them a big thank you for, for inviting us out. And um, come on down. Check it out. Yeah, It's the, and, it's the place uh, to be in December. So it, it looks like, Dan... I'm on rcflightdeck.com, which is where you need to go uh, for doing the pre-reg. And it says online sign-up closes the 4th of December oh. at 6 p.m., which is I, that considered I feel like I'm missing something because I, I'm pretty sure when I talked to Carrie and Bert, they told me that it was sometime in November. I heard, but that's like the day before. I thought I saw a Facebook hmm. post by Bert saying two days left. Okay, was, I will have to check that. Yeah, I will yeah. have to check. So that. don't take our word for it, because as uh, as as you can tell, we're not real sure. But look into it. Get your pre registration in if you still can. Uh, yep. And uh, you know you're eligible for some extra prizes. I believe some BK servos are up for grabs. If the, the yeah, they're doing servos. Yep. They're doing a vortex. You're of course everyone that pre-registers is going to get a free T-shirt that only is available to those who pre-registered. Go to Facebook.com/slash Orlando Blowout, and that's that's kind of like the home base. You can get all the information about the event, the sponsors. There's a link to the RC flight deck registration area on the left-hand side. Uh, they just updated their banner uh, to include some new stuff on the 24th of October. Hey, Dan, our logo's up there. I know, I know. Carrie, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. A <laughs> uh, huge list of premium sponsors, exclusive retailers going to be Experience RC. It's just, it's going to be huge. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Can't wait. And to- thank you to the listeners who have sent Nick and I information on uh, packing our helis, either oh, on the guys- plane or, yeah, or yeah. shipping it. So, yeah, we got, I, I'd say, I think four or five emails and private messages so far haven't responded to all of them yet but we are seeing them and reading them so we'll get back to you uh thank you very much for the info speaking of emails um i want to just before i forget to mention there's been i've been getting a lot of emails um in particular about topic ideas uh i don't necessarily respond to all of those but just know that we do consider those and we've gotten a few good ones in the last couple of weeks. And we actually had talked about one of them in our production meeting and we're going to try to figure out a way to make that happen 
so we do get those and we do read them necessarily do we respond to all those but just know that we are looking at them and we appreciate your thoughts on that so uh when we do get uh the opportunity to talk about those topics we will absolutely we're always looking for what a potential good topic is that you guys want to hear about so yeah feel free to let us know and um another big chunk of news we uh, nick and justin mentioned it last week and i do believe is it does it end next friday justin the pre-order for hoodies yeah the pre-order is going to end at the end of this coming week so four or five days after you guys see this this show go live um like we said before, you know, the baseline was two or three ish weeks. We may decide to keep it open a little bit longer, but we're getting to the point now where we're coming into the holiday season. Those who have pre-ordered are inevitably going to want to get it before uh, before the main portion of the holidays. And so that means we're going to have to get the order in pretty soon. Yeah. And, and that's that's I've gotten a few emails that that are addressing that very issue. The, the simple matter of the fact is in the past when we did hoodie pre-orders you know we were limit we were limited by the number we're not worrying about the number uh we're just trying to make sure that those who really want them are going to be able to get the size they want and what that means is we're not restricted to a a number of sales we're so we can get that pre-order off at our leisure when when we're ready to and the whole idea is to get those into the printers and into Ken's hands, plenty of time for you guys to get them by Christmas. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing you guys are going to start to see those first week in December. That's my guess as well. I think we'll yep. be well in advance of the Christmas time frame. So if you're really wanting a hoodie and you want to make sure, you, there's ch- chances are you'll be able to get one if, if you're of a standard size. Uh, if you need a, a size that's generally harder to get and you know, we all, everybody knows if you, if you happen to be one of those sizes, cause everywhere you go, it's hard to get that. So if you are hard, if you are harder to fit, whether small or large, be sure to get your pre-order in because that's the only way you're going to be able to know you're going to get the size. Yep. Uh, also two shirts, uh, we got, I guess we're, we got one or two black ones left, but, and a ton of white ones. So if you're looking for shirts, we got plenty of those for the holiday season. Christmas gifts or just treat yourself, whatever. Uh, any questions that you have specific to those shirts, hoodies, hats, or citizen cards, you can direct those directly to Ken. And not that I, that we don't want to get them, but the simple matter of the fact is you're going to get a quicker answer. Yeah, right. Ken, Ken literally answers it as soon as his email inbox beeps. And he responds. Yep, he's on it. He does not. He does not say, "I'll get to it later tonight." He gets on it right now. Oh, he, yeah, dude, he is on it. Yeah. So, not that we don't want to hear from you. If you have a question, I I gladly will you know take those emails and I'll forward them to Ken. Not a problem. But Ken at RZL Nation, it's just your best bet to get the absolute quickest <laughs> response. Uh, so keep that in mind. And then um, hats. Ken's got plenty of them. Again, we're we're still struggling with sourcing out the the custom hats that we used to do. It's just it's just a we got to find somebody local to Ken that can handle that. And once we do, we'll let you know. 
and then we will most likely resume that because I know a lot of listeners enjoyed it. So, but we do have plenty of the the hats to go around. So, I think that's uh that's about. I think I'm done pimping our wares. <laughs> good. Yeah, that was good. We got to yeah. do it. Got to do, do it. it. Got to get the stuff sold. Uh, let's see. Let me take a look at our little list here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something we haven't... Nick mentioned it last week, and I think we've mentioned it once or twice. Uh, the tech tips section on our webpage is growing. Uh, Chris Trabby wrote one. I think Justin's getting ready to write a few. I'm, I've am i got a couple of them in work as we speak. Jesse's going to be putting a few more up there. Yep. Uh, my tech tip would probably have something to do with putting on makeup with a power tool and how you shouldn't do it, so it's not really hell related. <laughs> Video. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, and of course, Nick is always working on that stuff. So, you know, that, that's going to be a good resource. It is a good resource. There's a lot of good information there. Um, great place to go. If you have, if you send a question to one of the guys or even me, and we know that there's a tech tip, uh, we'll probably just direct you right to that. Uh, so don't, you know, that it's, it's just a simple way to get that information out. Uh, and if you have an idea for a tech tip, or something you'd like to see uh, us maybe do something on, feel free to let us know. And maybe we can work on that as well. Uh, I know it's slowing down for us, but uh, that's because we're going into winter. It's still nice weather in other parts of the country. We get to start using the term that I absolutely adore. I love calling people warm weather dicks. Can you only imagine how many times we're going to say that when we're in Florida? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's just it's going to be part of every sentence. <laughs> hey, what's up, warm weather day? <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. And I think that about wraps it up. Other than maybe getting some emails, uh, get in touch with people, Justin. If I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You could send me an email at justin at rchellynation dot com or catch me on Facebook as Justin Pucci and Jesse. You could send me an email at jesse at rchellynation.com or catch me on Facebook as well. Of course, you can reach Nick at nick at rchellynation.com and Nick is always on Facebook. Uh, You can always send him a message there. Uh, Ken at rchellynation.com if you have a question about the store-related stuff. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchellynation.com, also on Facebook occasionally. And um, I would invite you guys to check out our homepage. You can chat with... uh, other like-minded individuals on our, our uh, front page there. Generally always some type of conversation happening there. Uh, and forum as well. Um, keep, keep an eye on the forum. It's, uh, I don't want to get, I don't want to say that something's going to be happening quick, but we do have plans for the forum. Uh, we're hoping to see some, some type of improvement there. A little faster, maybe a little easier to access. Accessible via different, Yes, that's platforms. Platforms. That's the big one that a lot mm-hmm. of people are really wanting. So we'll see what we can do. We're working on it. Alrighty, guys. Well, this has been episode 161. <laughs> I just it just blows my mind. 160 episodes. Uh, Crazy. <laughs> we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next Monday. Later, guys. Take it easy. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by KDE Direct, Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Blade Helicopters, BK Servos, Rev Electrics USA, and 
Rotary Wing RC. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. 